All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Brews and Belters podcast, where we talk all things soccer while sipping on some local brews. I am Keegan. Um, tonight, I am drinking an extra pale ale EPA. This is a beer that was left at my house from a, a surprise birthday party for me, thrown by my wife. And uh, um, a few friends were in attendance, our own Eduardo Ibarra, who's, who's a special guest on the show, longtime listener, first-time uh, first podcaster. But uh, yeah, this is proudly brewed in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, not finding a percentage here, but uh, maybe I'll, I'll chime in later with the percentage. But um, yeah, as always, joined by Toby Hinefeld. And like I said, our boy Ed is joining us to talk a little bit about Man United. Tobes, we'll start with you. How are you doing? What are you sipping on tonight? Boys, thanks for having me, everyone. Thanks for being on. Uh, I have a half acre tend. Winter IPA uh, out of Chicago, half acre, 6.8% ABV. Uh, Keegan, I already know you're asking uh, what makes this a winter IPA, and it is the malt. Uh, I had to do some research, so it makes it caramely and more like toasted bread tasting is what they said on the website. So I love toasted bread. I love win it. Winter IPA, yes. Here we go. Ed? Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, how are you doing? And I'm not sure if you're sipping on anything, but uh, we know you hail from New Mexico. So give us some heat. Yeah, Keegs, Tobes, thanks for having me again. Yeah, long time listener of the pod. Uh, really happy to be here. So appreciate it. Um, no, I'm not sipping on anything, but I do want to plug a local New Mexico brewery. Um, is Santa Fe Brewing, right? Just a couple, an hour north of where I'm from, um, 7K. Um, one of the best IPAs that you'll ever have. Toby, I think you'd really enjoy it. Very smooth, not super filling, um, 7% alcohol. So be definitely a good time after two or three of those. Oh, yeah. Nice. We yeah, love we love a good seven plus percenter on the pod. So. <laughs> uh, that, that's yeah. our like golden percentage number right there. That's <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Nine's a little too high. Seven's, seven's <laughs> great. We're feeling good, so. Um, yeah, we'll get right into it. Obviously, having Ed on, um, the terms for having him on the pod were if United beat City in the Manchester Derby, he could come on the pod. Little did he know we wanted to have him on regardless with United's great form recently, Rashford, Casemiro playing well, but happy to have you on, Ed. Um, cracking Manchester Derby. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just get right into it. General thoughts there. Um, you know, you and I actually watched this match together for anybody listening. United Wait, Press causing some problems early. What? Where did you guys watch it? I mean, this game was an early ass game. That like those six thirty starts are killing me. I'm not gonna lie. I like the seven to eight start. Like that's my window. Like six thirty. That's it, we watched it at Red Lion Pub, Tubbs, and you've, oh you've been there in in a visit to <laughs> Milwaukee. So yeah, that's that's the usual spot. So nice. yeah, yeah. Toby, it didn't uh, it didn't stop us. I think we were about two shots of fire and ice down by. Eight o'clock. So. <laughs> yeah, in, in, in a couple of Carlsbergs, yeah. So, um, yeah, United came out pressing. They caused problems. I thought they took it to City really well. Um, you know, made them uncomfortable, disrupted their flow. I mean, what did you see that you liked? Obviously, in that first half with United on the front foot. I mean, general takeaways just, you know, with how they came out. Yeah, I thought they came out super great. And I think you alluded to the pressure. Um, I think that stems from Ten Hag and already showing improvement in his coaching from what we've had in the past, right? We get throttled 6-3 in the first derby and, um, 
you know, he has the guts to say, okay, I'm going to put Bruno on the right, Erickson at attacking mid, and put Fred there in the middle because you see in the first one, if you watch it back, um, their whole midfield was just running through us. And as great as, great as Erickson is on the ball, I think that's somewhere where we can – there's left to be desired, right? He can really struggle when the game is very defensive for us, and I think we knew it was going to be a defensive. We kind of take it counter. That was our biggest thing. So putting Fred in there I think was the game changer, really allowing us to do that. And I thought Bruno was great. Um, I think two or three times in the first half, it was off the – Casemiro plays it into Bruno, is checking into the half space and, you know, playing a diagonal ball, which only two people in this world could play. And – um I think I think it was awesome to watch. <laughs> That's a running joke we have around the office. Uh, it's the only play, people who can play a diagonal ball are whoever just played it in that moment, and uh, myself being a, a fill-in right back of the summer league. Here, so. <laughs> uh, appreciate that shout, Ed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to ask about Bruno. He's been playing the right wing a lot. I mean, obviously. It, 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 it's weird. There, there's a lot of things to dissect here. So Fred coming in and, 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 and just hearing a United supporter be like, yeah, I was really happy to see Fred in the midfield against city two years ago. There's no chance you're saying that uh, two months you know, ago, the- there was no chance <laughs> I was saying that two months ago. Yeah. I mean, we've all seen the McFred memes, um, the, the shit posting, but he, he has really come into his own as that that number eight. And I, I think that that speaks to what Ten Hogg's done in adding to his midfield as well. So, I mean, what's your ideal midfield? How do you feel about Bruno sliding into that right wing? Yeah, um, I think, again, the midfield really does depend on who we're playing and what we're trying to do. I think if we want to be on the front foot, have a lot of the ball, you know, I'd like to see the three we play, which is that Cas- Casemiro, Erickson, Bruno. Um but I do like um, Fred in there. McTominay had a little bit of form earlier. It's kind of dropped off as of late when I think Casemiro really just made that six spot his own. But um, seeing Fred in there, and you mentioned to it, adding all these quality midfielders like an Erickson, the Casemiro, a Bruno, who's already there, it really takes a lot of the pressure off of what he has to do as a midfielder. I think when, you know, McFred was going on, he kind of had to almost be a creative eight, you know, when we're playing him with Casemiro and Bruno and Erickson, um, he doesn't really have to do that, right? All he really has to do is press, you know, kind of cause havoc in there and run around, really, um, yeah, right. which is which is awesome. It's awesome to watch. And I think, you know, adding that quality in there takes a lot of pressure off of what he has to do. Um, but as far as, like, the starting midfield three is concerned, it has to be Casemiro, Erickson, and, and Bruno, right? So today they actually started Bruno in the middle with uh, Anthony on the right side against Palace with Casemiro and Erickson behind Bruno um, compared to in the Derby, which is Casemiro, Fred, and Erickson. Uh, I I just don't know if Fred – I think Fred's a little bit better sitting behind Erickson, you know, since he plays a little bit more defensive. But uh, I actually – I do like seeing when Anthony's in there because I think he kind of gives that spark on that right side. Um, same with subs, some of the substitutes for Manchester United. Were you guys expecting, I guess, Casemiro? Because he kind of came in and took over for McTominay. Do you, did you guys expect him to come in and just seamlessly? I mean, he's he's in, he's in honestly, he might be one of the best holding, if not the best holding midfielder in the Premier League right now. Like, that's how he's playing. He's playing that well. Um, oh, yeah. Were you guys expecting that? Like, were you I mean, when, when you signed him? I mean, you got to think, like, yeah, on, like, in the back of my mind, like, I have to say yes, you know. I truthfully, over my years, I don't watch very much La Liga and, you know, I happened to catch and, you know, rest in peace to Liverpool here, but 
the Champions League final. And I, I was saying in my mind, I was like, this guy is oh, so good. He's so pouring good. Pouring one out for Liverpool right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm watching. I'm like, man, I, I, I'm so impressed. Like, he is everywhere. He's so good. And so I think in the back of my mind, you know, I was like, yeah, he's going to come in and he's going to be amazing. I was very critical of um, Casemiro, actually, when he first came, just because I think all, all like all players do, you got to take a little bit of time to adjust to the Prem. Um, mm. But I think everything he's done, it, it's been world class. And, you know, and this might be my bias, but I, I think he's the best DM in the world right now. I'd like, I mean, I just don't see anyone else who's, you know, really yeah. there with him in terms of quality and, you know, what he's done. You look at how good United's become since he's gotten here and, you know, kind of the form Madrid's been in even since he's left. Right. So, yeah, definitely. I think right now for me, he's tied, he's clear. Yeah. He's been looking really good. Uh, someone, I mean, I think Ten Hag, we kind of, I, at least I personally sold him a little short. Uh, he's done a lot better than what my expectations for him were for this. Um, and there's been some players that have just like changed their careers around like Juan Bisaka. I used to love him. Like I even think I, Keegs, I even think I threw him on like England's Euro team, like one of the random rosters yeah, we were making. Yeah. I thought he was that good like two years yeah. ago coming to United. And then he's just kind of been shelved the last two or three years there, but he's come into his own. Like he even has some footwork now, like, yeah, I've been really impressed with him on the right side. Uh, Shaw is another guy that's come in, and I don't know. Like, will you f- tell me what's going on? Why is he playing center back? Because that's where he started, correct? Against City? yeah, um, yeah, he started there against City, and he'd been starting there the last couple of games. That that came out of left field, but yeah, I, that's just it's creative, right? I mean, as you know, fans of your own, you know, would you rather have Matt Tipper Maguire in there? That's you know? so that's <laughs> where I was getting with this because Lissandro Martinez, I think, is. I mean, of course, Varane's class, like he is the class of your team. And then you have Martinez, who I don't know if he's been injured or what he played today. Um, but Victor Lindelof, I don't know what's going on with him. And Maguire, I think you're just assuming, like, who would who would be your center back pairing, I guess? Uh, playing against City, then playing today against Crystal Palace. You've kind of you've kind of been flip-flopping whoever plays with Varane. Yeah. Um, for me, it's it's got to be Martinez and, and um, Varane. That's the way it's going, I think. A lot of the reason he didn't start against City is, I mean, he'd been partying for two or three straight weeks after winning the World Cup. He came in and played. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I think it was Charlton who we played the game before, and he looked a little, you know, shaky for his standard. So, and Luke Shaw's been playing well there. I, I think, you know, I think you start Martinez and Luke Shaw, but or Veron, but I think Shaw is definitely a definitely a good backup there. I think he's our third best center back at the moment. Yeah, he plugged a hole. And that's, I mean, that's such a big thing that we've harped on for years on the podcast is just having that depth. And especially in the center back position, we've seen that kill Liverpool over the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, just not having guys who can who can fill in for a Virgil or, or whoever it might be. So uh, I think that's huge to be able to slide him over and having guys like Lindelof and Maguire, who a year ago were your number one and two at center back and, and you saw the issues there, like that shows the growth and, and what has developed over the years or over the year, really. Um, and I think that's part of it too, where, where 10 hog has seen that success where Solkshire started out as just a fill in guy. He was just there after Jose and he, he, he was just filling a role and then they got a little bit hot and they were like, all right, yeah, the job's yours. And he was like, Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. He was like, Oh shit. Now I got to do this for real. And it, no one really got brought in for the most part while he was there. 
um, you know, there, there weren't, there were a lot of issues that weren't addressed and it feels like throughout the Ragnick transition to Ten Hog, there have been issues that have been addressed. And Casemiro, I think is one of the biggest ones because you have Fred who at times would have to play like a creative eight who would have to play like a box to box eight who would have to play like a, a holding mid. And now he can just play freely with Casemiro behind him. It opens him, Bruno, Erickson, whichever of those three are in front of him. It completely opens them up to play creatively, to play freely, knowing that they've got insurance behind them with Casemiro. And then with that too, I, th I think this is why he's the best defensive mid, deep-lying mid, holding mid in the world right now, is he can play that ball forward from his own third or his own half into the final third that that just sets everything up and we've seen him do that several times and i don't i don't know that there's another player doing that to his caliber right now besides on occasion rodri but i think we've gotten a little bit desensitized to just seeing rodri just do that like city's just such a well-oiled machine where it's like mm -hmm. if rodri plays a ball like that we're like all right yeah it's a normal saturday for you know watching city yeah. whereas with casemiro it's new and it's fresh and it's exciting and it's brought life to United and and several of their players have have breathed in that life and Marcus Rashford who I know is one of your favorite players if not your favorite <laughs> player in the world has reaped a lot of the benefits of of that new energy. Dude, and, everyone uh, likes everyone likes Rashford. My my wife does, says yeah. he's cute, he's nice, and then you hear about all the donations he does, yeah. like, everything yeah. he does for the kids. So yeah, he's an he's, awesome. He's world class on and off the pitch. You have to oh, love yeah. him. Um, he's a lad. He's a lad. You know he. Yeah. What and he has his. He's a doctor. He. Yeah. Does so much for the children. He does so much for the community. I mean, all in all, I mean, he is probably right now my favorite player at United. Um, he's our wonder kid. He's done everything you can do with the club except win, which is you know not necessarily his fault. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think he if he keeps going the pace he's going, especially this year. I mean, he has a chance to to be up there with one of the greatest all time players the United's ever had. Yeah, that's yeah, a bold still. that's a bold statement right there. I like that. That's with yeah. uh, Ronaldo. You got a. I mean, there's a there's a Wayne whole Rooney. Well, it's there's funny Toby. You put you put Ronnie in there. Who my mom's gonna be listening to this tomorrow. She's gonna hate that I even said his name. But um, you put him in there, and you kind of look back. I'm talking when I think greatest United players ever. You know. It's almost like Ronaldo was one of the greatest to ever play for us. But when you think greatest ever, you know, it's got to be like a Rooney, a best, you know, like those kinds yeah. of guys who in the United shirt. Yeah. Who've played there. I mean, he was here for what, 10, 12 years and just maybe even longer, honestly, had just so much impact. Mm -hmm. And two, like all time leading goal scorer is literally when you think of United, you think of a bald headed Wayne Rooney, Clatton, the people. Um, and especially the way Ronaldo left the club, it's kind of hard to, to love him after that as a United fan. But yeah. I think Rashford's just the impact on the community, everything he does. If he fires in 100 more goals, I think he's I think he's up there with one of the best. Uh, so are you, Ed, are you uh, Ronaldo or Messi <laughs> for the GOAT? Ronaldo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Still got it. Uh, going, going back to some of the center back talk, uh, speaking of going, do you think do you think Maguire has to go this January? Do you think he has to go in the next couple of weeks? He's got yeah. links to West Ham. Uh, yeah, I think it, if it's not January, I think he'll be gone in the summer. He, I think, and it's not necessarily like 
it's weird. I'm one of those fans. I don't hate McGuire. You know, do I do I rate him? Not necessarily, but I, I think it's one of those situations where, you know, man, you kind of ran your course. I think you had, you know, a pretty good first year with the club. You really fell off. You have your replacements. It's clear Ten Hog doesn't see you as a part of the team. You still got a couple more years left in the tank. Go go play somewhere else. Go get your minutes. Go sit in the back lines, I think. Go sit in the back line where you can have five in the back and just head the ball clear and, you know, live that way. I He he actually has pretty good uh, distribution from his third to the final third. Like, I think he's pretty good at that. But I just don't know if he fits Ten Hag's structure and, like, what he's wanting. And I think he's got so much out of Varane Martinez. And then he has a Lindelof and now a Luke Shaw to kind of fill in for those other tournaments. And they're probably going to sign one more center back in the offseason, I would assume. Um, is there anyone else that you were – impressed with on the bench that has kind of come up like someone that's kind of come out to me with 10 hogs kind of played more so than anyone else is like uh ganacho like i've really liked him on that left side yeah yep. that's exactly where i wanted to go with this yeah he, oh, he's yeah. a he's like a 20 to 30 at the end but dude like i just i see him and he instantly gets the ball and just cooks towards the line and just gives a cutback and the guys who are marking him like whoever they've been playing every week on that right side like they're like the Popeye's uh, chicken sandwich guy, like the meme where the guy's like just tired sitting on the side, like after his shift's over, like he's like, shit, I can't, I can't, I can't keep up. And that's like how that kid is, dude. He just burns nonstop. He oh, feels yeah. like everything Anthony wants to be, but Anthony tries too hard to be. My, exactly. minus, in my, the, in my minus the 360 uh, <laughs> thing that he does. Yeah. And he, it's, it's, I think what benefits him a lot too is he does like, Right now, guys 18, I think coming in at the 65th, 70th minute, and let's let's not lie, he's coming in for Rashford, right? He's coming in for Rashford on the left. I mean, imagine being a right back, especially when Marcus Rashford's in the form that he's on. This guy's running at you for 70 minutes in the game, and you're like, oh, thank God, here comes the number 10. Number 10's on the subboard, and in comes Garnacho, and the first thing he does is get the touch and does the same exact thing. I mean, that you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it benefits him so much. It's exhausting. And and the thing is, the kid loves it. You know, his his attitude, he loves just getting at people and being aggressive. And and I think that's where, you know, Anthony's getting a little bit of criticism. That That's where he's got to do. He's get the ball and attack. You got to attack the defender because they're scared of you. They're, they're on their back foot. And I think he's he's done an excellent job. I actually just saw today, I think we just extended his contract. Um, I think we're going to be paying him. I, I don't want to say how much we're paying him because I don't know the exact number, but I did know we just extended his contract today. So here we go. Here yeah, we go. Yeah. Yeah. Fabrizio. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's huge too, because I was, I was kind of curious, you know, if he would go anywhere else, I think he's had such a good last year calendar year at United where I, I would imagine he just wants to continue to grow with the club, but you have to imagine there are some teams th- thinking about throwing some cash at him. So, um, yeah, I didn't realize that they that they had re-upped uh, on the contract, but I think that's huge for you guys because you mentioned Rashford, you know, with that potential to be a United great. I remember Rashford's debut, you know, and just thinking this this dude's going to be cemented in the club when it's all said and done, you know, if he pans out and stays healthy. And I think Garnacho could be one of those guys too. And just with Ten Hog, kind of getting this club purring like they have been, just since he's been in control, you know, it, it feels like something where where the next four or five years are are going to be special and you're going to see United back 
as much as it pains me to say this, where they belong um, <laughs> after a couple of rough years. Do you want to, do you want to say that again? Maybe. <laughs> Ed, 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 do you, uh, do you think that Ten Hag took the Cristiano Ronaldo situation correctly right before the world cup? Um, do you think that he, you know, benching him after he like walked off the pitch, you know, before the game was even over, like, do you think all that was handled correctly on Ten Hag's case? And like, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, man, a hundred percent. My, it, it, the thoughts were, it, it sucked to see, you know, Ronaldo is part of the reason I even started, you know, loving the game of soccer, you know, seeing him when he was young and just a young stallion running down the right wing. Um, so the situation itself was sad to see, but I mean, he, I thought he handled it perfectly. Yeah. Right. And, it's like no player's bigger than the club. Okay, you don't want to play for me. You want to? I mean, how are you going to walk off on your teammates like that? Yeah. Right. What what example that, are you setting for the younger generation there? Keegs and I were thinking diva, and then we thought you have to have pretty big brass balls to bench a guy like that, and then to pretty much tell him that he needs to go. And you know, and then I think Cristiano went the opposite way, and then went on Piers Morgan or whatever his name is, and uh, did his thing. Uh, I, I thought it was awesome. Keeks, did you think so too? The way it was all handled? Yeah, I, I think Ed put it well with no one's bigger than the club. Doesn't matter if if the name on the back of your shirt's Ronaldo or if it's Garnacho or if it's one of the, you know, youngsters that are mm-hmm. that are coming through the academy right now. It it really doesn't matter at that point. Um, you have to be a professional, especially when you're thirty seven years old and and you've done everything there is to do. I understand there's an ego that comes with that. But uh, you have to set an example, and Ed, you touched on that. I mean, looking at somebody like Garnacho, who looks up to a Ronaldo, you know, looks up to a Varane, looks up to a Casemiro, these guys who are setting the example for the next generation, like whether or not you're getting playing time, you have to think about the club and you have to think about the future of the club and the future of individual players. And, yeah, it it it, it did suck to see because you want to – I mean – even myself, who I do think Ronaldo is a prima donna, you can't deny how incredible he is, and you don't want to see that. You know, you, right. you don't want to see that for many of the goats. So, and the whole the whole situation transpires. I know he had a lot of stuff going on in preseason, but I think that's mm-hmm. where it all transpired, right? I mean, the guy—it's very hard for a guy that good to go from so great, scoring twenty plus goals one year, to sitting right at the bench for us the next year. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, preseason. I mean, I know he had his reasons for missing. I'm not faulting him for it. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you miss preseason. And you see how important that is. I think last year it was Rashford who had missed preseason. And look at the, how much he struggled in form. This year he has a full preseason to get himself ready to go. And look at him now. And, again, back to the role model piece, Casemiro sat on the bench for, what, three or four games, was it? And not a peep, not a peep out of him. And, Tobe, I love that you brought up Juan Bissaka too, dude. Um, think about this. The guy has been on the bench all year and you haven't heard a peep from him. You know, and that's that's what he's saying. That's kind of the the culture Ten Hag wants is you're going to play if you're playing well. You're going to play if I pick you, right? And no one has anything else to say about it. And Ronaldo was the only one on that team who's been saying stuff about it. Even McGuire hasn't said anything about it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, I think it was. I think it was great. The way he handled it was great. It sucks that it had to be one of my favorite players um, of all time. And but I think the way he did it was great. 
That is something about Ten Hag taking this job in particular too that stands out to me and that I th- I think could be a good fit. Just, you know, an Ajax guy, a Dutch guy. The Dutch are known for their discipline, for their, you know, tactical expertise for doing things quote unquote the right way. And I, I feel like that's a little bit of like that statement that he made by sticking up to, you know, one of the greatest ever, one of the the greatest ever put on a United shirt. Like it, it felt like a very Dutch thing to do. It felt like a very Cruyff thing to do where it's like, that feels like it, it, it feels like that's what United has been lacking in, in past seasons is that pride in the shirt, that backbone, that, that like sense of tradition that the club has. And it feels like Ten Hog is the type of character who could bring that back. So, to so Bruno, Bruno post-match, after City said something along the lines of uh, we're just playing as a team, we're playing for each other, we're playing as one group. And that's, I mean, he's the captain, so of course he's going to say stuff like that, but I think he, I think they all truly mean it. And, you know, you, you hear about other guys and they're going to say, like, what's doing this? Oh, well, you know, our defense stepped up and we scored goals. Like, But he's actually talking about the cohesiveness of the team, and I think that's Ten Hag at, at the front and center. Absolutely. I think they're all, in a way, kind of little robots, you know? Um, almost like Pep, his team are just a bunch of little robots who do exactly what they need to do. And the pa- I think it's a lot of the passion. I, I have a running joke with uh, Paulo, who it's, you know, they don't play for the badge. You know, I want you to clatter and into guys. That's the United way. And there's a clip on Twitter. Um, if you haven't checked it out, you should. It's after Rashford scored the goal. You see Casemiro run into the fans, screaming at him, beating his Oh, chest, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. That was awesome. Hugging the fans. Yeah, Fred's Yeah, like there, legit hugging the fans. Hugging the fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like celebrating. Yeah, Casemiro <laughs> looked like he had been with United for 200 matches. Like he had been yeah. there for like six years. It's incredible. And Fred's doing the same thing. And you, you see the camera pans to Bruno. He's beating his chest, holding the badge. Anthony, when he scored his first goal, runs, holding the badge. I think these players just finally have a sense of pride. It's like, man, we play for United. Yeah, we have a sense of pride here. Right? There's a, we have like, this is a legendary football club. We're not just. I don't care how big my name is. You know, I'm going to play for the badge. And um, I think Ten Hag is an, a true instrumental version of that. Like he set that all out. Uh, that celebration came off of a goal by Marcus Rashford. That was a VAR decision that was ruled based on Bruno Fernandez, who was bossing that second half. Got the goal right off the back, laid off that laid off that and uh rashford came right onto it uh i can't remember the guys the city center back keegs that's really good at math uh, akanji, akanji uh, yeah. came from dortmund yeah. yeah super good at math like he's got his multiplication tables to a t uh <laughs> but uh yeah that was that a var decision in your opinion that should have gone the opposite way let's be honest it's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's it went one way we can it's it's one of those situations, and it's funny because now there's clips going around of similar situations going on. I actually sent it into our group chat today, and it's one what, of the situations. What Reddit are you on that people are doing that? <laughs> it, it was <laughs> Twitter. Did. It was Twitter. That's football oh, Twitter to a T, really. Yeah, it really mm-hmm. is, and um, it's one of those situations. If if that was if the situation was the same for Tottenham and Tottenham scores off that. You know, you put your hands up and say, "Hey, they they, they aired it. They did. They did the check." You know, I'm not gonna say whether it was right or wrong. It counted, and I'm happy about it. If if we got scored on that way, 
I'd probably be saying, yeah, he was off sides, but no. you know, it, it is a judgment. It, it is yeah. a judgment um, decision on the referee and the VAR referees. And I think that's a really interesting point in general, because we've seen VAR take a lot of the judgment out of refereeing. And in a situation like this, even when you see the replay, it is still up to the, the human referees to decide did he play that ball or did he not? So for me, I think he's right on top of that ball where you could very easily argue that that he is quote unquote playing it. But I don't mind the call because of that fact, because of the fact that it, it throws me back, you know, five, six years to this is the referee's call. He he feels like it should stand. And the, it was called a goal to, you know, we see like in the NFL, you have to have, you know, evidence against the call. I believe it's the same way with VAR. And so I, I personally was fine with it. Also, I just love to to see City, you know, lose some points here. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I was fine with the call because of that reason. I thought, it, I thought it was an interesting incident where, like, in the modern game, we don't see a referee have to make a judgment call that often. And, and that happened in a huge match. Right. And it was, it was awesome, man. Like, Kings, I mean, you were there with me when it went in. I'm, I'm screaming. There's a city fan next to me at the bar. And I'm like, no, no, he didn't touch it. He didn't touch it. He didn't touch it. Um, <laughs> so it's one, yeah, I think it's awesome to see the ref make a judgment call. It's awesome to see it go our way. Um, and, yeah, overall, I think I was just really happy to see that go. And I was ecstatic. So it did go your way. And you stole all three points against City on the Derby Day, Saturday morning. Uh, you know, we – Keegs and I are talking Sunday. We're like, hey, let's have them on. Let's do this. Uh, Keegs and I are both losers. Our teams are losers. We need at least a little positivity. But then we go in. I didn't even realize that there was a Premier League game today, which was Manchester United against Crystal Palace. Amazing. Crystal Palace has been a stepping stone for every single team playing them over the last, like, two weeks. Of -hmm. course, they're going to get on uh, Vikers, Voot Vikers, who was the darling of the, you know, comeback against Argentina that almost came but didn't. Uh, <clears throat> two goals in that. And he gets his first start for Manchester United. Their big rollout, honestly, getting rid of Ronaldo was one thing, but getting rid of Cavani was another. And that's something that I don't think has been addressed enough this season. And so I think it was huge that you got a striker that can just go in, just play that final third, score with his back, towards the goal or away from the goal it doesn't matter he can score because he's a goal scorer uh he gets this start i've been i just randomly unpacked him in fifa like three days ago <laughs> and he's been up top with oc men and they've been just scoring goals non-stop for fifa for me and my team um this game was bonkers because united was in charge the entire game were you guys able to watch this at all because i had to watch it after work mm-hmm. uh but it was yeah, watching on my phone so it was a one one draw uh Keegs deep down let's let's be real here I know we, we don't need to like shit on Ed at all but <laughs> oh, that OSA walk off without a celly where how were you feeling on that one because that's your boy right there that's my boy man I love yeah, I love those young Ed, Palace. Ed, Ed, I'm saying this through what two years you've been on this guy three two years I've been on Olise and Ebrek he's as and uh yeah I love to see it I wish as would have started but yeah, what a fucking finish from the kid. 21 years old, left foot, perler. I mean, he's so talented. And, and really, he wasn't that great 
throughout the match, um, honestly, until that point. But all it takes is a little bit of magic. And, and really, that sums up the match. Like you said, United were completely in control for for majority of the match. Palace had some opportunities in the second half. They were kind of pushing forward a little bit. Zaha was creating a, some some problems. But they just didn't have that that class in the final they, third. And I don't think Crystal Palace has that class right now. Like, they don't have anyone they, in yeah, the final third. Yeah. And then, you can clamp in on Zaha, and yeah, what what else yeah, are you gonna do? I mean, do? without Gallagher, like you're, they're literally nothing. Like right now, it's it's kind of upsetting. But the thing that most frustrated me was I was watching this game, and they were like, "Oh, because Mir just got his like fifth yellow card or whatever, <laughs> so now he can't play against Arsenal this weekend, which is arguably the best game of the season in the Premier League." So right. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll sit here, and I do have to give a little bit of credit to Keegs because he's letting me talk a lot of good stuff about United today. Um, and We Dallas can talk a lot of good Tottenham stuff in like 10 minutes. <laughs> Don't worry. We, we're coming. Um, I got to give credit because I know Palace is his – I think it's quietly his second love to an extent. Those are his boys. And I saw it go in and immediately I was like, man, it had to be before the podcast, right? It had to be. <laughs> it couldn't have been tomorrow. It had to be today. Um, I mean, it was an absolute – it was an absolute banger. Um, there's really nothing you can do to save that, and no. it's frustrating because it's we, we we have to put that game away. I think, and yeah. Palace wasn't great in the final third, and I don't think minus the Bruno goal, I don't think we were either. Um, yeah, and yeah. the double whammy to that is it is Casemiro getting his fifth yellow. Yeah, um, the day before so. that, and also bad on the prem for how are you going to schedule some random game? It's a rescheduled game against Palace. Yeah, with the FA and Carabao Cup all going on this weekend. Yeah, and you have City on Sunday, and the, it's you're playing the top two teams in the Prem right smack in the middle. We're just going to throw you Palace away, by the way. Not at Old Trafford. We're yeah. going to throw you Palace yeah. away. Um, so that was tough to see. But, um, you know, talking to my mom after the game, who I call after every single game, um, you know, United's beaten Arsenal X amount of times, and not one of those times – has Casemiro played or started? So, that's um, what, so Ten Hag said that after the game, he he was quoted saying that we didn't have him last time we beat Arsenal, so I guess we it doesn't matter if we have him next time we play Arsenal. So, yeah, I, I mean, like that cockiness. I, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing else you can say. You have to. You can't really dwell on it. You know, you're not going to have him. There's nothing you can do to change it. I think. Hopefully, I don't know who's going to start, but hopefully Fred or McTominay. Or I have a, I have a really spinning take here, um, and I do want to hear both your opinions on it. Sandra um, Martinez at defensive mid, Luke I'd Shaw like to center see, back. Yep. I, I think Shaw's <laughs> been playing there. Martinez played the, at the six for Ajax. He's good on the ball. He's intense. Why not? Shoot, I would dude. love to see that. I would love yeah. to see that, honestly. And I, I knew that's exactly where you're going with this, just from – from conversations with you about Lissandro. I would, they, yeah, I think that'd be So great. Juan Paiseca would be the odd man out on that right side, which is okay, but you, you plug him in there and then you put Shaw at center and then who's playing in front of him? Is it still going to be? Who, so what? it'd go a back four of, I think, I think I'd start Juan Paiseca at the right Okay, back. yeah, you would. Okay. right. Veron, right. Shaw. Veron, Shaw, Malasia, yeah. Lissandro. Yeah, Sandra, the holding. Yeah, that'd be good. I would love to see that, man. I really would. 
So I, I think then, he can do it. Yeah. Uh, changing subjects, Ed. You said you're a big Ronaldo guy. He was in. He was in. I don't, I can't remember the exact years, but it was my high school years. I mean, it was oh five to ten. I want to say something like that. Uh, that's not when I went to high school. That's, <laughs> I remember <laughs> when I went to high school, but uh, I think that's when he was playing there. So, is have you been a United fan for that long? 20, 20 plus years. Um, shoot, well, I was. I think I was like seven. Um, but I had been a United fan for as long as I can remember. Like diehard, right? I grew up playing club soccer, and it was probably like 2007, 2008. And the moment I remember, you know, like I love Vidic as a center back. So I played center back my whole life. So, you know, that was kind of my idol. And playing club soccer, I didn't really watch when I was a kid. I just kind of played soccer because it was fun. And then at the time, like 10, 11, 12, that's kind of when I started getting more serious. And that's when my mom took a huge interest um, to United. And she loves Wayne Rooney. She like, actually loves Wayne Rooney would marry him kind of deal. Um, <laughs> um, and that's when we fell in love with them. So and then Wayne the game, Rooney's like, there's a lot of moms in the world that would. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, he's put on some weight. She might have a chance here. Soon. <laughs> um, but shoot, man. And then it was the game that I really fell in love. And I was like, okay, I am a fan now. She, it was the 09 champions league final when we lost to Barca and we went to, Dude, my mom make, meets the most random friends, the most random people. Um, Toby, if you ever met her, you'll, you'll completely understand. But um, yeah. we should get to that like, in a minute. Continue. <laughs> she um, she's like, hey, let's go. I have my Russian friend Victor, who I work with. It's him and Cambis and a couple of other guys who are like, man, I don't even know where they're from. To be completely honest with you, but they're not from here. Let me tell you that. Like, I'm talking their their English is very broken type stuff and. <clears throat> We get there. It's this little house. The guy's making us like food from I don't know where. And we're sitting there and I was like, man, like, I love this team. Like, this is it. Like, I yeah. it was like, as like, it's kind of when I grew into the adult phase of soccer, where I was like, I'm actually going to support. And since then, we, we just kind of ran with it. Uh, yeah. Two things that bring the world together, football, food. Two things <laughs> right there. And, and beer. Had and beer. Both, yeah. And beer. And beer. Yeah. You had them both in the same story. So. Yeah, so we, we should get into that a little bit, um, just speaking about um, your mom and your dad, both great people to catch a match with, um, speaking from, you know, from personal experience, had a great time with them at Red Lion and uh, in Nomad here in Milwaukee, but um, a little plug to the to the United supporters group that, that your mom's really involved with, you want to share a little bit about that? Yep. So that actually, a uh, fun fact that you brought that up, I was calling my mom, so pumped up about 20 minutes before you sent me the link to get on here, Kiggs. And I was like, hey, I'm on the podcast. You got to check it out tomorrow. You know, here's what we're going to be talking about, um, you know, and I brought up the supporters club and she said, well, it's our five year anniversary in like a week. So shoot, five years would be 2018. Yeah. Happy five year anniversary. Holy shit. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Let's get that on years. NBC Sports. Let's get uh, <laughs> Rebecca Lowe to say something about it, or maybe do we I, have that reach? Do we do we have do we have her agents info? Because we should. Hashtag, I feel like we should. And hashtag my I, Premier League morning. Yeah, hit we, it hard we tried to get her on that. She she had broken her her ankle, and we're at we're at the the who your mom? Watched. Yeah, she was she was walking outside to go take a picture of the sunset and stepped on my dad's shoe and just snapped it. <laughs> 
So my dad's <laughs> been getting getting the best of that for the last six weeks. And um, so we're sitting there and she has her, her cast on and she has a big MUFC sticker in the front of it. So we're like, man, we got to send this into like my Premier League morning. So I tried sending it into them. They didn't post it. But yeah, I feel like we got to get them on there, man. And um, it's the group. It's the Albuquerque Red Devils Manchester United supporters group. Um, was founded by our good buddy Ali, who's um awesome dude. They found it five years ago. My parents, one day I'm home for winter break, and are like, hey, let's go. We watch these games with all these Manchester United fans. It's fun. I was like, sure, whatever. Um, I'll check it out. I'll have some beers, right? Um, or brews, as we say on the podcast. <laughs> um, and it was awesome, man. It was incredible. Um, had been hopping to different breweries, trying to find our home, found one at a local a brewery called the 377. So plug there, really good beer, um, really good food as well. If you're ever in town, check it out. Um, and, you know, like the group, kind of people move, move away, kind of start, you know, doing other things, right? And my mom and dad kind of took the reins with it, you know, made the Facebook, made an Instagram post for every match, host, uh, we have like a Christmas party where they, you know, do ra- like a 50-50 raffle. They do a ton of different stuff where you can win a ton of different prizes. And it's really, honestly, when I get home, it's every time I get home, I try to catch at least one or two games with, with the supporters. And everyone's like, man, I love your parents. I love your parents. I'm like, you do? <laughs> They're kind of crazy, man. I don't know. Ed, is it a pretty good uh, soccer town? Pretty good football town? Oh, yeah. we it, It's awesome. Albuquerque. Really? Quietly, yeah. Well, what's really great about, huh. about it is we have so many different breweries, which is why I think you, you two would love it specifically. Um, a lot of good, like all we do is local, local brews. There's nothing, no one's drinking like a Michelob Ultra, you know? Yeah. Um, and so every, a lot of breweries have their own supporter group. I think there's like a Chelsea one, um, a Liverpool one. Um, they sound awful. Keep going. Yeah. yeah, boo. yeah we boo. don't like the Liverpool one. Um, and the Tottenham one. And it's a really cool community. Um, we haven't done it as much since COVID, but it'd be, let's say we're playing Tottenham away. Well, we as United fans would go to the Tottenham bar and the Tottenham bar would host us <laughs> so we could do a watch along together. Nice. Um, oh, that's cool. Same, yeah. Yeah. So and likewise, like vice versa. So it's it's a really cool community and a huge soccer town. We just got a USL team a few years back. Um, one of my club, a kid who I played club with plays on the team. So it, oh, it cool, is a pretty cool, big cool. soccer town. It's the closest professional. I guess it is professional technically, but like the only professional sport we have. So everyone supports it pretty heavily. Nice. So, Ed, Keegs, you can also chime in as well. Uh, Ed, you can uh, speak for your parents. Um, DraftKings, their futures bets uh, for the pick for the top two to end the season. They have Arsenal at minus 750, City at minus 550. So they're your favorites. Coming in right below them to maybe sneak into that second is United at plus 300. And then there is Newcastle plus 800, Liverpool plus 3,400 to get top two, and Tottenham at plus 6,500. So it's looking like United at plus 300 is pretty good money because I, I could see this happening, honestly. if I, I don't think Arsenal's going to drop enough points. City, mm-hmm. maybe. I, I could see City. Um, Starting tomorrow, by and, the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Are you guys playing City tomorrow? Yep, yeah, let's oh, go. Yeah. And We're that's, all Tottenham fans. That's City's kryptonite. And honestly, man, just the mojo within the Prem 
And I think bringing Holland into, I don't want to get too caught up on that hype train of like, oh, Holland's made him worse, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I mean, United, United locked up Holland. So. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, th- that can be argued for sure. But I think I, Holland feels like a Champions League signing. And you heard Pep, you know, the quote after they lost to United, like, you know, I, I think that's just a frustration quote of, yeah, whatever, we're worried about the Champions League. But it does also feel that way. That's the only thing he hasn't done with City. And it, it, it does feel like this season's trending towards, like, Arsenal aren't going to drop points. It, it, it doesn't feel like they're going to drop points. They're that fucking good right now. And it just feels like for City, it's like, for them, what's the difference between finishing second and finishing fourth? I feel like they're gunning for Champions League, so I feel like United is a is a solid bet to take plus whatever you said three fifty or whatever that was. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a solid bet. Um, my mom's like four and one on bet she's put on United, so I should tell her to hammer it. And maybe we'll get some good luck, but I I think you're right, Keegs. It, I think Holland's a Champions League signing. I think Pep's interview was a little childish, to be honest. But I think there's some truth in that where it kind of feels like, you know, you got to win Champions League. That, that's all there's left to do with this club for you. Win Champions League, maybe ride off into the sunset somewhere else. Go to go somewhere else and take yeah. some of the havoc out of the Prem. But. Preferably Porto. <laughs> anywhere not in the prem yeah, honestly somewhere I, portugal like just I, I wouldn't mind seeing him go to uh to italy he hasn't been to Serie A yet I, w- I wouldn't hate that yeah give him give him somewhere anywhere else but the prem get him out um but yeah i think i think that those odds are definitely gonna go up or down i'm not quite familiar with the betting but um I think this was a huge week for us. I think we had to take I think we had to get full points from all three matches this week. And I don't think we're going to I think well I still think we're going to beat Arsenal. I for whatever reason I don't fear them. I fear I fear Liverpool more than I fear Arsenal still. I love to hear that. Say that um, again. <laughs> <laughs> no dude, it's true. What, man. what about think... what about Tottenham? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Pauses, looks off camera and laughs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I respect the hell out of Tottenham, man. You guys, yeah. you guys really, you guys really try. You know, they're there. They exist, yeah. <laughs> dude. I don't even know if we try. I don't want to segue too <laughs> too soon into the other derby that happened this weekend. We can, we we can move yeah, on. We We're can. forty-five minutes in. We can, yeah, we can get, we can going, get in yeah. there. Let's do it. I, I've had let's, my spiel. Let's go ahead. Yeah, fuck. Why not? <laughs> Shoot. I mean, why not? Yeah, we've never sworn on this pod before. No. North London derby, man. Starts out with a bad mistake from Lloris. Let's, uh, uh, have I not been sh- have I not been shitting on this guy all season? He is, like he's starting to show his age. It, it feels like either that or just a, a poor poor lapse in form at a at a wrong time. But yeah, he, he seems both. to be slowing down. But yeah. yeah, I definitely do. Um, even before that, there was a few opportunities, especially on the right side, where for some reason. Uh, Ivan Perisic was not playing, but they had Ryan Sessing on, on the left side and he, none of our wingbacks can pass. And like, we're trying to just like, it's literally how I play FIFA. Like I'm, I'm quitting everything to FIFA now that I'm playing switch. I'm like, I'm literally the Sean Dyche of, of FIFA. At first I love that you started playing ultimate team. Now I'm, I'm already, <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I'm legit crackhead. I, I, I play like two times a day and uh, I, I'm like, 
everything just has to go on the wings and then you just center and hope to God you score a goal. And, but you need class, like you need class, at least an 83 plus striker. And that I got some of those, but you need like wingbacks who can actually freaking pass. And Tottenham doesn't like Sessignon cannot do it. He had Son and Kane running down the middle five minutes into the game, misses a pass. And you're like, oh, okay, like you're getting warmed up. Dude, you can't get warmed up against Arsenal. They're the top team in the Premier League and they are purring right now. And every time I felt like Tottenham was on the back heels, midfield was wide open. There was gaping holes everywhere. The center backs are so so the right and left side, like yeah, it was just it was a shit show. Like it was crazy. Like it was it's like everything else, but then it's Arsenal and you get up for it. I actually missed it. I was too busy scoring worldies playing box to box in my uh, men's pickup league uh, in the morning or afternoon that Saturday or that Sunday. Uh, but yeah, definitely worldly outside of the boot. I had, I think I wasn't counting maybe five to six goals for assists. I wasn't counting though, but I think that's about where I landed. Box they brought box. in, they brought in like the kindergarten youth team. <clears throat> no, we, the guy we were playing against. Little extra training. We were playing against guys who were mostly our age, like 20s, 30s, maybe a few 40s, a few 50s and 60s. A couple 80-year-olds. Like, you know, no. <laughs> no, it just keeps going up and up yeah, and up. <laughs> yeah, what, what, I th- the goalie was a little bit older, but I still do that. Uh, you you could have stuck anyone in there, and that, that thing would have – that thing would have scored. That was. I've seen you. I've seen you have a few ribs. I can yeah. believe it. So I was playing that instead. I'm like, I'm not even gonna watch the game till afterwards. I'm gonna get on Peacock. They allow you to watch it from the start. No, they don't. They have to wait till it gets done. Then you can watch it from the start. Unlike ESPN, you can start from the beginning, midway through. Uh, and I go to click on it, and I'm like, I want to click from the beginning. So I did. And it, it before it showed me that it showed like Tim Howard's face and Arsenal two zero, <laughs> and I'm like God damn it, like it ruined everything for me. So I was like, I, I was just turned off from that point on, and that's what Arsenal does to me. Like they get under my skin, and I don't know why. Because I actually like a lot of the Arsenal players. Like Odegaard's way better than I ever thought he was going to be. He's awesome. Saka's no, really cool. Out. Martinez is really cool, or Martinelli, excuse me, Martinelli. is really cool. I hate Granite Xhaka, but, like, they have good players. Like, Tierney's cool. Like, fuck, maybe I should just become an Arsenal fan because Tottenham sucks, and they're not going to spend money this January. I hate it. Conte's going to be out at the end of the season, I'm assuming. They're probably going to bring in someone like a Tuchel, and it's going to be the same thing that was going on at Chelsea that caused him to get fired. And Yeah. yeah. I, you you I, guys I, might I mean, be headed. I need more beer. Like that's what I need right now. <laughs> Sorry, Ed, you saw me in a vulnerable moment. This is really upsetting. I mean, you, if you had the money, let's say, you know, you're the guy, we're giving you the money, you know, and a real I'm talking realistic signings here. You know, what do you got what do you think Tottenham needs and what do you think they should do? They need a lot, but if I had to say something, I would say a wing back, preferably a right-sided wing back and then a center back. Those are the two I really want. We need someone to support Harry Kane. We need a better goalie than what we have with uh, Foster as our backup and Hugo Lloris. We need someone that's in between both of them that can eventually grow into that one, you know, a year or two down the road. Because Lloris, he's good. He's not great. He has those momentary lapses. What's upsetting is I think this season, that was the sixth one where Tottenham has had a – in essence, own goal or goalie screw up that has caused a goal. The next closest team was like 
Nottingham Forest or Aston Villa at like two, and they have six. So either center back has kicked the ball behind them to an offensive player or the goalie bundled the ball. So, yeah, there's a lot going on with Hugo Lloris, but those would be the main things. I really want to write back, and there's links to, like, uh, I can't remember the guy's name from Sporting, who's really good. Um, and there's links to other teams as well and other positions, but we need we need everything. Like, we really do. It, I've, I've brought it up before with right back. What about Jed Spence? I mean, is is he going to get a, a, a true call? Not, not with Conte, no, he's not. I don't think he ever will, and that's crazy. He's seems like he can play i mean he was able to play in the championship just fine like phenomenal in Nottingham, yeah 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 he's offensive minded and that's what i yeah i don't i don't know what's going on with him i don't know what's going on with a couple of the players and i think that's why you need fresh air with a new manager but at the same time conti's been uh, he's been doing pretty well like you know we had pochettino who was good got really good in the champions league and never had any backing because we're getting our new stadium. So, like, he literally went almost two years without a single signing. Like, two years. Yeah. That's pretty impressive for a top-five team. Uh, and we're it's, not top four. It's interesting, too. You saw Arsenal stick with Arteta during tough times, and look how it's panned out. Yeah, you, you forget know. Arteta's been there for three-plus years, right? Three-plus seasons. And there were, there were some ugly seasons where they were – I mean, I mean, they look terrible. They look right, terrible. Right. And he, he stuck with the young guns. Yeah. Yeah. Right right there where Liverpool is right now. Like That's, yeah, where that's actually exactly <laughs> what I was going to say, yeah, um, which is just I, – I, I, I couldn't bring myself to say it. But, um, yeah, that's that's where they were, and they stuck with Arteta. They had faith in the young kids. I remember watching Arsenal-Chelsea probably three years ago, and they got to the point where they said, let's bring in the young guys. Martinelli started, Emile Smith-Rowe started, Saka. And this was pre-Odegaard, which has been an unbelievable addition for them. And they flipped the game on its head, beat Chelsea. And I was like, if if this comes to fruition and they sign two, three other players, sure up the back line, this is going to be a serious, serious team. And now they are because they've stuck with Arteta. And that's the thing that frustrates me the most about the Prem is there's just this manager carousel of – we're with a manager for a year, maybe year and a half. And then they bring in these new signings. You've just spent this money. Chelsea are the prime example of this. You've just spent this money. Frank Lampard signed these players. We're going to sack Frank Lampard, bring in Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel gets his bearings. They go to win a Champions League, struggling in the prime the next season. Tuchel gets his signings within a, a few months of getting those signings, he's sacked. So now, you know, you're inheriting and a new manager comes in, inheriting, you know, the previous manager signings once again, and you see struggles and it's like, oh, all right, are we going to sack Potter now? And it's, how, how, how do you allow a manager to get settled in when, when your timeline for them for success is four or five months at this point? And it's, it's, I think that's what Arsenal have done so well. And getting back to the original point, I think Tottenham, you go to a Champions League final, you lose to Liverpool, which frankly, the difference between that match is a, the handball. A, I get a it. fairly weak penalty. Yeah. That's the difference between Tottenham being potentially a Champions League winner with Pochettino and, you know, months later, him getting sacked. 
And it's like, do you want to buy into a manager who you can create this project around? Or do you want to have five managers within the span of four years and just hope that that by some bit of magic, like you get lucky and, and shit starts to click? I, I You know, that that's my biggest frustration with the, the mechanical beast that is the Premier League right now. And I think, yeah, you're right, Keegs. A lot of teams have gone through that, United included. Um, go back to the original point. Do you do you want to see Conte or Conte? Do you think he's still the guy, or do you genuinely think like, hey, I don't even if we give this guy three to four more years, give him the right players, he's not he's not the guy we want. No, he's definitely the guy I want. He at times it looks ugly, of course, over the last couple of weeks. I don't think his forwards are in form like Human Song and Kulsevsky and Richarlison have been injured. Uh, so there's not been a lot going on up top and he doesn't have the wing backs or center back that he needs. And because of that, I just feel like he's not getting the rap that he deserves. But I mean, Ed, I wake up every morning and I'm chanting Antonio, Antonio, just like the Tottenham supporters. I literally do it every morning. My wife hates me because I do it that much. Like that's their, that's where Tottenham is at right now in my heart and like I want them to be good but no they're going to be bad forever that's 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 just how it is that's where that's where we're at so and and that's what it feels like I think it's funny I bet you have it set as your alarm clock where it comes off and you're yeah (laughs) Yeah. oh man no definitely so um, I mean it's it's weird because you guys do have I mean you got Kane I think Son's and while he's in poor form he's cross right um I think Romero's class. I think Larice maybe he's having just a little bit of like a 2019 De Gea where you just have a little a little blip. So I, I, I'm not trying to cut you off, but you're talking about a blip because uh, De Gea's he's playing pretty well. Like he had an A class save today on uh, to his right up in the upper 90, um, not getting away from Larice and Tottenham or not trying to because I want to because it's, it's terrible talking about him. But uh, what's up? I, did, I didn't even bring this up to you. What's up with De Gea? Like, like how's this going? It, it's weird. It's weird as a United fan because I think it, it's really split, and I think it's maybe starting to go more back into his favor now. But, there, I mean, the guy's been – he's been our savior for shit, man, 10, what, 10 years now. He's been yeah. through all of it. You, you see the progression of the team, and – Who's the only player who's been there for all of it? It's him. Um, so part of me, the nostalgia in me is like, you have to keep him. You have to keep him until he literally cannot do it anymore. And, you know, everyone's like, well, you need a modern day goalkeeper. You need someone who can play with their feet. You need this. You need that. But shit, man, I, I'd i take De Gea because if it wasn't for De Gea today, we're, we're dropping all three points. Yeah. Um, I, I love him. I think they should – I don't know if they have already or not. If they haven't, I think keep him until you can find someone who you know is like a clear-cut favor over to him. And I, I don't think right now in the world, minus maybe an Ederson, maybe an Allison. I thought you guys had him with – didn't you have Henderson a year or so ago? One of the English. Yeah, he, he threw a fit and left. He, pulled, he threw a fit and said, oh, they need to play me and, and yeah. hit the hay. But so, were you upset when uh, Spain didn't bring De Gea up for the World Cup? Were you oh, shocked? I, uh, I was. It's unbelievable. I mean, the guy's in prolific form. 
He's playing in and out week and week for United. Who was their starting keeper this this tournament? I can't even tell you who it was. I actually can't tell you who it was either. Who who did? Uh, shit. I think it was the guy. He plays in Spain. I can't remember his name though. Yeah. Villarreal's uh, keeper, maybe. I think uh, Tottenham's being linked to him right now. I want to say. That's crazy. I I can't even think of who their keeper right. was. And and you think like I mean maybe, yeah what it's one thing to bring him and not play him. But to say, hey, man, you're not even a top three goalkeeper in Spain. We're not going to bring you at all. Is I think that's just so disrespectful to how how class De Gea is and was and truthfully always will be. I think there was a two-year span, a, a year and a half span in between all that where he kind of slipped up a little bit. But other than that, I mean, what, what do you really have to show? He's I think he's one of the greatest keepers. I think he's probably our third best keeper. And that's a, one of the coolest things about United is you go from Schmeichel, who goes to Vandersar, who then goes to De Gea. Um, yeah, that's so a, been blessed. A, a pedigree there. Yeah. So it was Unai Simeone, who I think, Simone, yeah. I want to say Barcelona. Athletic Bilbao. Or I think Atletico? he's Bilbao now. Is he he might have come up through Barcelona. Possibly. And then uh, 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 Davi, I don't know if it's David, but I think it's Davi uh, Rea from Brentford. They're, they're starting, and that's who Tottenham's being linked to right now. So it's Spain's number two. And then their other one was Roberto Sanchez from uh, Brighton. No Kepa, no uh, Casillas, no Victor Valdez, nothing. So Kepa you brought up is is interesting. Um, We're not I talking mean, Chelsea this podcast, bro. No, we, we don't have to. Uh, just <laughs> – you know, assuming that De Gea, I mean, obviously he's he's been with United for a long time. Um, he's He's been great throughout his tenure there, but he is, you know, getting a little bit older. He's had spells where he hasn't looked great. Where, you know, you mentioned besides Alisson, Ederson, obviously like, you know, the likes of Courtois, you know, maybe like Donnarumma, players like that who are the premier goalkeepers in the world right now. Um you know, going down a tier from there, who would you be interested in potentially like being his 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 replacement? I mean, would would you settle for a guy like Edward Mendy who isn't getting playing time at Chelsea right now behind Kepa, who I, I personally think is a great goalkeeper. He's not really your modern goalkeeper. That's why Potter has gone with Kepa instead of him because Kepa's better with his feet. I mean, would you look into a guy like that um or or the dude from Ajax I can't think Onana maybe um I can't think of his name but yeah, I mean, there, is there anyone that stands out to you I guess no and I, I think I want to ask the same thing to you is there besides I think we know our main threshold of keepers who you know for years and years have been great Larice included um there's no one that really has has really ever caught my eye I mean, we had Dubrovka on a really weird loan spell who I think he played two games for us. Um, we were linked to the Portugal goalkeeper, that Diego Diogo Costa guy, um, who he looked all right until I saw him play Morocco. And I Rui. said, eh, I'll take the Haya. Rui Patricio? Or was Costa no, in? Uh, Costa. Costa was playing Costa. over Patricio. Yeah, Patricio's mm-hmm. aging, so that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like he's young, he's the modern goalkeeper, and he is a decent shot stopper. And you know, since then, he's really the only goalkeeper I've necessarily kept my eye on. I mean, 
shoot, man, I I hate I hate the guy. I really despise this guy. Uh, the Argentinian goalkeeper is is Mar- yeah Martinez, yeah, and yeah. that's a I mean he made yeah a real shit Hauser. It was so it's exactly one month ago that the World Cup took place it was one one month ago today, and that was I mean his save in the first or the second part you remember he had one save and it was like a kick save and a beat with his left and yeah yeah, yeah like he he's good he made it that Loris was like t- semi talking shit about him like oh i don't need to do all those antics and everything i'm like a classy goaltend like i'm kind of a french yeah, compass sometimes taking the high road doesn't work out for you unfortunately. Uh, so then so then <laughs> he does that and three days later across hits him in the chest and goes in like and it's like i guarantee martinez would have stopped that bro like <laughs> like I, i'm fine with him slapping stuff and like kicking the grass where they're gonna kick like i'm fine with that like throw the ball away from the person so what yeah. like be a you psycho you hate We're proponents of shit housing yeah man. yeah you gotta love the shit house right? i think every back line needs a shit house Especially a goalkeeper, man. I mean, they've yeah. all got to screw loose as it is. You, you might as well, you know, play into it, really. Yeah, so, absolutely. So we still have a few things to talk about, Keegs, but uh, you guys don't have boos or cheers, so I'm going to incorporate mine into this. So my boo leaving the Tottenham talk for the night because I want to get out of this as fast as I can. Uh, my boo is for Joseph Watts, the 35-year-old Tottenham supporter that yeah, fuck that guy. Kicked, kicked Ramsdale. The, I'm booing two things. I'm booing him for doing that because that's a shithead thing to do. Uh, I mean, deserves everything he's going to get in the court system, but also that he didn't kick Loris instead of Ramsdale. Like, that was another thing that I saw. I was like, so be it. Like, should have done it. And, uh, yeah, like, dude, to climb a defense gating area and for security not to even stop the guy, like, what? Like, and he kicked on. Yeah, that, fuck that dude. Yeah, this this might seem a little bit too far here, but I just there's I don't think there's anything in professional sports that that grinds my gears like uh, grinds my uh, gears. Yeah, I feel like a 90 year old right now, but just frustrates me like seeing someone pay money to go see these athletes play and go down and do some disrespectful shit like that. You're paying money to see people who have skills that you don't. Have. What about the guy You're who... mad because they've done their job well? What You're about... mad because exactly. they've, they've, they've defeated your team. Yeah. Be mad, at, losers. be mad at Hugo Lloris, like you said. Be mad at your team. Like, there is nothing that pisses me off more than that. And the... I would I would love to just see, like, let that dude onto the pitch, onto his own against it was, the top. It was today that... Give them free reign, see what It was happens. today that a dude stormed the Man- Manchester United pitch, right? Oh, that was that was cool though, man. I, I did see that. Got a he, selfie he with Casemiro, right? Took a selfie with Casemiro. And if you want to take a no selfie, even, cool. No one even chased him. That was the best part. He yeah. runs on, takes a selfie, like, all right, man, get, get out of here. That's it. You want to take and, a selfie? Go for it. You want to attack somebody, man? You should get your ass beat. And on public, so I'll, on I'll second, I'll second that boo um, for all the reasons you just said, but I'm going to add on to it and share a lighter side to it. I mean, it was a shitty kick. If you're going to do it, I mean, get it done, right? It was a shitty kick. And <laughs> I'm on I'm on Twitter today, and there's a fucking video of, I don't know what camera it is, but it follows him. He's running through the crowd. 
yeah. trying to get through, and it's on him the entire way. Not even a sneaky get out. Yeah, no, some 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 guy took like a bunch of like TikToks and Instagram and Snapchats and like all the videos and just put them all together and pieced it and made like this like ba 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 as the dude's like running up the stadium and out and like he like pieced it all together and like you see the guy's face the entire time You're like oh I know who that is that's yeah. that's uh Joseph Watts 35 year old asshole from my work <laughs> <laughs> at the, at the wherever so the yeah. only situation we love a narc man is I know, a situation man. like only... that shout out to that guy man Shout yeah. out to that guy and yeah, Great. second to boo because I'm not endorsing going and kicking players or anything of the sort. But no, shit, man, if you're gonna have your moment you're and you're gonna it, do something, like you gotta do it right. You know, yeah. you got you gotta do it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're at an hour. We're approaching an hour and ten minutes. Um, the only club here that we support, we haven't spoke about, is Liverpool. And I'll just sum it up quick. Um. That is the most humiliating, lifeless, soulless performance I've seen in 15 to 16 years of supporting Liverpool. Who'd they play? Brighton. Mm. 3-0. Um, probably the most humility, humiliating loss of the Premier League season from any team. And maybe that's just bias, but... Um, yeah, I mean, just in a season plagued with poor performances, that was the most lifeless, spineless showing I've seen this year um, and probably ever from Liverpool. So I, I, I was happy to see them come out yesterday against Wolves. Um, my biggest thing, there's like a, you know, a community, quote unquote, on Twitter that I follow, Liverpool community. And uh, my only real request was I would just love to see them start the young kids against Wolves in the FA Cup final replay, give them a chance to, you know, come out and push the, you know, the more experienced players, give them that nudge that they need, um, you know, go out and prove a point. And I think players like Stefan Basetich, um, Harvey Elliott scored a banger. Uh, belter of the week, Toby. Yeah. yeah. All right. There's Toby's belter. Um so I, I think it was a positive bounce back against Wolves, you know, to to come back, play the young guys sprinkled in there. You got a James Milner, um, you know, people who are hungry, who aren't playing as much and can go out and prove a point and just show the, the first team like, hey, if you're not going to come out and, and show passion, show pride in the jersey, we've got young guys who are who are dying to come out here and play. And I think that's the best response that Klopp could have given. Ed? Do you think Liverpool's top four material? Because we have Arsenal, we have City, we have United, we have Newcastle. Then we have Tottenham, Fulham, who else? Fulham, Brighton, Brentford. Yeah, don't Brentford. expect any of them. Uh, it's, Brentford it's, is a match. Brentford is a match up, and Fulham are two matches up from Liverpool, just to okay. clarify here. I mean, your gut as a, as a soccer or football fan, and you have to think yes. I I never count Liverpool out. I was the first few weeks when we're above Liverpool in points. I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I just know for a fact that eight weeks we're going to be looking at this and Liverpool's going to be second in the league and everyone's going to be saying what happened. I think 
I think they are. It's tough. I don't see the teams above them. Who is it? Brentford, Fulham, who are having good runs, playing well. I don't see them keeping the form. I don't see Newcastle keeping the form they're in either. Um, so really, I think the fourth spot's going to be either Tottenham or Liverpool, in my opinion. I I agree completely with that. Um, as as bad as we've been, I think Newcastle. This is their first year really being back with you know in the race, really being back with the top dogs, and I think that that's something you know we talked from an individual level. We've seen Casemiro slide back in seamlessly. But from an individual level, you see players struggle to come into the prem, and I think you see that too with with clubs who haven't, you know, they've floated around that fifteenth to maybe nine, ten, nine place in in the table, and it's a different leap to be up there in the top four to hold that for the entire season. And I think that Newcastle, as as brilliant as they've been, I think that's a lot to ask for them. Um, you know, they're sitting in fourth right now, 10 wins, phenomenal, but eight draws. I mean, you don't see eight draws anywhere in the table till you get down to, to eighth place with Brentford. And so I, I think that shows a team that, that is scraping out some, some really close results. Um, and I, I just don't see them holding that fourth place. I think they'll finish top six and I think they've been great this year, but you know, Fulham, I mean, they're, you know, teams like Fulham and Brentford, I think, are an injury away from from dropping down to 11th or 12th. That's just the nature of the Prem. I well, think Brighton, Fulham already is. Uh, what's his yeah. name? The striker, uh, Miritich? Mitrovic. Mitrovic. Yeah, he's, yeah, already... he's been knocked up a little and yeah. he's aging as well. And, and he's a huge core of the team. And Fulham have other players that have been really good. Not to take anything uh, away from them. U.S. defense. Yeah, Anthony Robinson. Tim Ream, yeah. Um, Sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, But I I do think the team in there between Tottenham and Liverpool that that could be a deterrent from them getting into top four is Brighton. I think Brighton's been that team that they haven't been in that 15 to 10, you know, area of the table. They've been flirting with that top, top five, top four for a couple seasons. And I'm not just saying this because we lost three 0 to them. Like they're the truth, man. They've they've got Alexis McAllister coming in off of a, a World Cup where he earned his respect that I I think has been deserved for a while. They've got Leandro Trossard, who uh, for what? me was one of the best players in the Prem. Yeah, but what's going up with him? He's not. He's he's pretty much quit the team. Going to Tottenham <sighs> most likely. Yeah, we'll we'll see about that. Um, also, that's a thing. Like solely March, I mean they've they've got other players who can fill in, and yeah, he could. That's a thing where they're not they're not as deep as you know the standard top six, the standard Premier League elite. But they've got players, and they've got twelve to thirteen, fourteen players who are really, really good and who are bought in. And they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder with Potter leaving. Um, I forget his name, but you know the interim manager's done a really good job with them. Like, there's a lot of belief right now you can sense in that team, and a lot of pride. On top of that, they've got good class too, and they don't have, you know, they they don't have the the big sexy names um, that'll propel them into that you know third or fourth spot. But they've got twelve to fourteen guys who have legitimate talent and are playing with everything that they've got. 
And I think that that goes a really long way. So I think that I, I actually have more faith in Brighton, as crazy as it sounds, to end up further in the table than Newcastle. I think maybe next year or the year after, Newcastle are going to be a series like two to three threat. Um, but I think Brighton, Tottenham, and Liverpool will end up above Newcastle. So it's a uh, Roberto Deserbi, and he was a Sassuolo yeah, and uh, yep. Shakhtar. Yeah, uh, the manager. and he did good things with Sassuolo too. Yeah, I mean Sassuolo, you've seen really make a rise in Serie A. So, but, well, let's um, let's get into that, Keeks, because uh, my cheers for a Serie A side. Do you want me to start with that, and then we can get into some Serie A talk real quick? Yeah, go ahead. So my cheer is for Serie A side, uh, Salernitana. Uh, I think they're bottom of the table, if I remember right. Uh, so my cheer is for them losing eight to two against Atlanta <laughs> on Sunday. I thought you were going to say just, something good about them, and I was going to oh, come no, no, back no. and so tell you that they going. just got piss pounded by. Yeah, Adelaide. they did. Yeah, so it was it, no, it was one to one at one point. <laughs> and it was like they were at one back, point, and then they gave up seven in a row, and then they got one. You know, at the uh, but my cheer is for them firing their coach on Monday. This Monday, so two days ago. Uh, firing him. Uh, I forget his first name, but his last name is Nicola. They fired him on Monday, and then they decided against it and rehired him today. So he was no fired on way. Monday and rehired on Wednesday. Never wow. seen that in any job. Well, maybe some jobs, but never seen that in a coaching position where they fire a guy and then rehire the same person two days later. The, the thing I love about your cheers, Toby, is that every one of them – could and maybe should be a boo and I, I, just, I just love that i just love that about you man and the uh, best part about it was the comment of it was one to one at one point <laughs> shit it was zero to zero two at one point I mean, damn they were That's even awful. with them at, at at one point in the match yeah and do you I watch mean, any syria um it's the really scene it's, it's the league to get into minus the prem if you don't want anyone needs to watch a prem, everyone should watch a prem. Then you dabble in other things like you gateway into the prem, and then you dabble in others. Prem's a gateway right. drug to Syria. Yeah, Keys yeah. has been trying to get me on. I'll call it like the like the crack of soccer, which would be the Syria, which you know, you know, Napoli. Like the, yeah, you know, and it, um, yeah, the prem is the gateway drug to the Syria. To be quite frank, I, I couldn't tell you where I could catch one of the games or how I could get one of the games on TV. So a quick word from our sponsors. Uh, Paramount <laughs> Plus is where you can watch it. Um, I don't have a login that I could share with you. <laughs> Do you all want yeah, my password? I, no, I have, I, have, I have Paramount. We're um, safe. We're safe. But, yeah, I mean, the Serie A is interesting because growing up, that was the first league I ever got into – Juventus, Alessandro Del Piero, Nedved, etc., and um, just historically, Serie A has been super defensive, super boring. Park the bus, and now it's just kind of exploded, and 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 we're we're finally getting back to that like early you know two thousands, two thousand six, seven, where you've got a lot of sexy players in the league and attacking players and skillful players. And I think you would really enjoy it, Ed. I know you're not a huge La Liga guy. And, you know, you, me, and Paolo talk about that. And I'm not a huge La Liga guy either. But Serie A for me is is right under the prem. It's It's been really fun to follow. And they do, 
you're right, man. They do have a lot of sexy names. I, um, they have that one. I will never be able to pronounce his name. Do you have his jersey? Kavar Scalia. Um, yes. Kavar Scalia. Kavika. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he's great. Kavar um, Kadabra. I was um, honestly really, really Leal's awesome. Phenomenal. And he's, yeah. he's a lot bigger of a specimen than I thought. Well, he's huge. Oh, yeah. He's a big dude. And he, he he's is physically a. Yeah, he, so, he is a boys boys, let's let's just get into it. Syria Friday night. That was in arguably the game of the weekend, in my opinion. And it didn't even take place in the and take place in the Premier League. And it was a 5-0 beatdown Napoli over Juve. Uh Weston McKinney started. So did Chris Richards, by the way, for uh, Palace today. Looked pretty good, uh FYI. But uh Weston McKinney started, new haircut. No dye in this hair anymore. It's just a little sh- short. Fade. That's why they got their ass beat. No dye in there. Di Maria looked like he was cooking in the first half. Nothing to show for it, and yeah, it was. Uh, That's Juventus right now. As yeah, it was. Yeah. It was the OC men and Cavara. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think OC men had what two goals and an assist. Kavika had three assists and a goal. Um, and, and that's the thing about Napoli right now. We talk about depth and. I mean, their midfielders are good enough. They've got a few options there with Lobotka, um, Elmas, who's North Macedonian, who's been lights out for them. Um, you know, uh, oh, God. I'm, I'm That's why you watch Syria, Ed, because they have North Macedonians playing for them. They've right? just got you Eastern Europeans who come you, out of nowhere. You occasionally you get this it, shit man. at West Ham, like in that dirty bubble yeah, here and there. platform yeah. that they got, but that's about it. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's beautiful to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, Napoli that in their attack, they've just got five, six guys who can eat any defense alive at any given moment. And it's not just Serie A; it's Champions League. We've seen it. You know, they're putting up four or five goals on teams in the Champions League, and you've got Diego what, Simeone's like son. I was going to say, what, which yeah. which teams are that? Which <laughs> like Liverpool, like Liverpool. I mean, it's it's crazy, man. Osimhen, Kavika. Uh, Chucky Lozano, Simeone, like they've got so many options up top, it's nuts. And their midfield solid, their defense is solid. Kim Min Jay is great. Um, they've just got so many, so many weapons. And I, I, I don't, that to me, they look like Arsenal right now in Serie A, where it, it just doesn't feel like they're going to drop points. They dropped some to Inter Milan uh, two weeks ago. But it, it just doesn't feel like outside of that, anyone's a real threat to them. Potentially AC uh, Milan could could cause some you know problems. But no one else really seems like a serious threat to them. And it just feels like their year. And Napoli's been like that for a while where they've gotten off to really hot starts. Me and Paolo were talking about this where after the Inter match, he was like, is this the moment where they crumble? You know, Is this a standard Napoli moment of the last 10 years where – where they hit that wall and they just fall apart, but they bounce back um, the week before this past week. And then they, you know, they, they beat Juve handily. So it seems like it's theirs for the taking. Um, Inter has been playing a lot better lately, but I, I, I just don't see them doing anything. Um, that is one thing I want to get to. Inter won the Supercoppa Italiana today over AC Milan, 3-0. Huge match for them. Obviously, a trophy beating the crosstown rivals um, in a really good match. Uh, a, a ball across the box from Brella to DeMarco, who's played well. 
at Injeco, 36-year-old. We gave him a shout-out on Instagram and Twitter. We've been yeah, talking a lot. Us, follow us on Bruising Belters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've, we've been speaking a lot about a sexy 36-year-old goal scorer from Milan, and his name is Olivier Giroud. I got that oh, lineup, by the way, Keeks. I got it. Yeah. Yeah, but we haven't spoke a lot about the other sexy 36-year-old striker in Milan, and that is Edin Dzeko, certified goal scorer, <laughs> needs some respect on his name, scored a great goal today. And then Lautaro Martinez put it away with a little outside the boot, nothing crazy, nothing powerful, just a nice piece of skill, and uh, and they brought home the title. So, um, yeah, yeah, the uh, – so the Super Coppa Italiana, for anybody who doesn't know, is the Scudetto winner, the Serie A champion, versus the Coppa Italiana, uh, Coppa Italia champion from the previous year. So uh, big trophy for Inter Milan, but again, Serie A wise, I just I, I I really don't see anybody knocking off Napoli. That that makes sense. Uh, honestly, Napoli did, however, just lose uh, yesterday uh, to Cremonese uh, in the Coppa Italia. So yeah. on PKs, of course, but they didn't play anyone that we've been talking about. Right. So Napoli right. like rested their players because they're more worried about getting that you know Serie A victory right. than they are the Coppa. But I think that in Champions League is you know th- those are the main courses on their on their plate yeah. right now. Um, I think they're at that level and, and, and they want to stay there. So yeah, it seems, it seems like all with all the domestic cups, all the big teams are just losing penalties. Yeah. yeah. It seems to be so confused. United, uh, they have what premier league. They're still in the FA, correct. And are they in the Carabao too? Yep. We're in so they, FA playing, and Carabao. Th- those both start next week and the week after. Correct. If I remember right. And then the uh, champions. I, I believe league. so. And we're, yeah. we're still in Europa, too. We have Barca in Europa, so that'll be a fun one. Oh, actually, that will be a fun one, yeah. And the first leg will be without um, Martinez, so that'll also be even more fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I'll, I'll keep it I'll keep it a little bit on the Italian side for you guys. I know you guys dabble in that. Um, I did a little bit of studying before coming on because I knew it's something we'd touch on. It does seem to be the trend that Napoli does kind of falter off after a hot start. I think Oshman, man, and we're talking, he's not sexy like a Jekko or uh, a Giroud. But, but he's dude, sexy, though. Dude, but that face mask is so fucking badass. No, you're thinking of human son. Oshman, yeah, no, I'd love that. And uh, how do you get that in FIFA, Keegs? Because like, I, I played against someone that had that mask, and my Oshman does not have it. He just has blue they- blonde hair. Yeah, they must have been a like a, a FIFA EA Sports employee, or yeah. else they they donated a lot of money or something. You know, I don't yeah. know. I I don't know. Maybe there's a special card you can get to, that's, to get that's the mask. I'm, I'm just card, yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, but I've been wanting them to throw that in for a while, where like hairstyles change or whatever. But I think they have to go through a lot of work to to get that. And I would be fine with just you know defenders actually tracking back when an attacking player is making a run instead of running sprinting forward so i'm not all that worried about the face masks right now <laughs> just a little fifa venting for everyone dude it could be pretty sick man i i think the thing about fifa it's it's the same shit every year but they fix one problem and add another one that's just yeah. as bad that's they're like exactly okay yeah right. you guys didn't like this we'll fix it for you but now your defenders just don't work they don't yeah work. 
Or now when you switch off of a defender, it's we're actually going to switch it to the guy two positions behind him. So you're actually going to be taking your wing back out of position to go to center back. It's like yeah. Toby, I'm so excited to see you on this journey. No, man. I just I just started it about. 12 years and i'm just so excited to see you um, that's what i dabble love and hate this game just like any any good thing in life i dabbled in college got out of it for a while and now i'm back in so, <laughs> so, so here we are i love it so all right boys uh, we're approaching an hour and a half here any last thoughts uh more ed please yeah ed you got to come on more brilliant debut man you had the shirt tucked in. Um, is that, uh, stand up real quick, Ed. Is that, is that one of the – I, I was going to come on. This is the uh, oh, white Bruise and Belters hoodie. I could Christine not condition. wear it. I'm actually getting a new one. My girlfriend and I washed this with some new, like – they were like tannish um, sweatsuits. And uh, you can't see it right now, but all over the back of it, there's tan. There's, there's like a blue stain from – God knows what, but always I just took, the bruise. I just took that. As, thank you, by the way. I just took that as a subtle brag. You have a girlfriend. That's cool. <laughs> so. Just I know I know you guys have you know the the count just keeps going up in listeners. And <laughs> if anyone yeah, right. wants to, if anyone wants to, just you know, like you can't you can't hit me up. That's not going to happen. I have a girlfriend. <laughs> I know Keegan still doesn't know what that's like quite yet. Um, but. I'm dying to know what it's like to be in a relationship. Oh, yeah. we uh, uh, So we have more hoodies coming. We have beanies, uh, working on koozies, working on stickers, working on a few other things. But, yeah, we have merch available on Instagram mainly. Uh, follow some Bruise and Belters. And, yeah, that's about all we got, right? Yep. That's perfect. it, boys. I, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys. Um, have me on. I had a, I had a fucking blast. This is my first podcast ever. I've been telling my buddies like, "Hey, I really want to start a podcast. I want to do it. I think it'd be sick." And I think every single male friend group in the history of forever has been like, "We should start a podcast." <laughs> um, no, it's sick, dude. It's awesome. Always a pleasure. Listen, one listening to you guys. I actually not kissing your ass. Truly, I'm a pretty big fan of the punk podcast. It's something I, I listen to at work quite frequently. Um, so I really appreciate you having me on. Hopefully we'll do it again soon. After United wins the league this year, my mom probably wins $3,000. Hey, no, no, no. This is the next step. If they win the league, you and your mom can come on the podcast together. Oh, oh man. Eggs, you they, heard it. If they, yeah, win it. This, if they win the league or if they do the double over Liverpool this year. You don't even have to sell me on that, Edo. Uh, you're welcome on at any point. This was this was this was wonderful. Appreciated having you on. And um yeah. Cheers. I think that's it, boys. Cheers. Cheers, boys.